0: You're listening to episode 151 of the Tennis Files podcast. Unleash your tennis potential with elite tennis coach
1: Emma Doyle Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. My name is Mirban Iranshad, a former Division I college tennis player. And on the show, I interview the world's top coaches, pros, and experts to help you improve your tennis game. And today I have a really cool interview with Coach Emma Doyle. And she is a speaker, coach, expert communicator, and mentor who has helped many professional and amateur tennis players reach their true tennis potential. And that's why I brought Emma on the show today to talk to you about how you also can reach your goals and ultimately get to where you want to be in your tennis career. And uh, we actually did an yet another really fun live podcast uh, where we recorded an interview with Emma live and also included several, uh, many I should say, uh, questions from the audience, which is always really fun to, to answer those in real time. And uh, Emma is also a Tennis Australia high-performance coach And she she just traveled the world as a professional speaker. She's actually had a TEDx talk, which is really amazing. I'd I'd love to do that that someday, uh, hopefully. And um, yeah, like I said, she just specializes in helping people to maximize and live their true potential through tennis. And Emma has also been on all four of my tennis summits, which shows you how good she is and how quality, um, you know, she, of a content that she provides um, when she uh, puts out content. So uh, yeah, I think you're really going to enjoy this one and we're going to include, or, or we do include a lot of great topics in here, including uh, mindset, court confidence, she um, uh, communicating properly with your partners. Uh, yeah, just a lot of really fun and really great subjects that I think will really have a great impact for you. Uh, I try to, you know, ask some questions where I can try to put myself in your shoes, uh, which I pretty much am in your shoes because I'm just like you trying to improve my tennis game, uh, you know, one one day at a time pretty much. So, yeah, I really hope you enjoy this one. And, uh, you know, as I said, uh, this was a live uh, interview. Sorry, this was recorded live um And it translates very well to audio format, of course. And so I think you'll really enjoy it, and I hope you do enjoy it, whether you are tuning in for the second time, maybe you were actually a part of that uh, stream, or for the first time. Either way, uh, I will now shift over straight to the interview with Emma. So without further ado, here is the interview. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Falls podcast. Uh, I apologize for the uh, small delay. It was on my end. My computer decided to crash, so that's really <laughs> you know, great timing there. But I want to welcome Emma Doyle to the Tennis Falls podcast. It's really a pleasure to have her on. Um, she has done a lot of great work and continues to do great work in the tennis world. And I've had her on my tennis summits actually all four years, which speaks to... You know, just the quality of, you know, I, I don't bring everybody back, um, you know, each year, but uh, Emma is one of the ones that I have. So, Emma, how are you doing? Uh, really great to see you.
2: Thank you so much. Uh, great to be on the show. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good considering everything that's going on in the world right now. So feeling feeling great.
0: Yeah, good good to hear that. And, uh, yeah, and, and for those of you who don't know about Emma, I mean, she... Like, like I said, you know, she does a lot. She speaks around the world. She coaches. She coaches. She she has coached, you know, uh, professional tennis players. And you've probably even seen her, you know, on court doing some on court coaching, which is pretty cool. Um, she's a Tennis Australia high performance coach, and uh, so we're going to talk about a lot of great things on uh, the show today. Uh, uh, mainly, you know, the o- overarching theme here is the, how to unleash your your tennis potential here and we'll dive into a lot of subtopics and also take your questions as well um so but emma i just want to ask you first off i'm curious about um uh and you know i know that you're you're actually here right now but uh as far as like in australia um tennis and everything like how has that been going as far as like obviously dealing with the pandemic like do you know have they been opening up uh tennis uh, courts and things like that
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely um, they're taking a conservative approach to reopening courts and clubs and so forth. Uh, But, you know, from all accounts, from, you know, contacts and friends I have over there, they're they're back out on court, they're doing everything. It's the new normal with uh, masks through to... Stations through to distancing kids and smaller lesson sizes, a lot more private, semi-privates. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Australia, we have a much smaller population and I still spend, you know, every Australian Open, well, hopefully if that continues to, to be on next year. But uh, I always spend three months of the year back in Melbourne in my hometown and, uh, you know, all my, my colleagues back there are just itching to get back out on court. And, and so I think that's happened pretty much over the last sort of two weeks Um, but very conservative approach and obviously hardly any cases can compared to here in the States. So, um, so they are still being very cautious, um, you know, so that there's not a second wave, but you know, who knows, time will tell.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great to hear. And and so um, I asked this to, to a couple of my guests the past couple of weeks, but I'm curious about how your students and, you know, those around your tennis community are, um, attempting to improve their games despite, you know, what's going on. So I'm curious to hear, you know, what, what they're doing.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I think the, again, the new normal is 100% home, home practice. So I think, you know, I think that's, if there's been a silver lining, it's definitely been that, uh, you know, uh, for me personally, um, one of the things that I've just done is totally flip the model in relation to um, the online, the online education, and just providing, there's so many things we can do at home. And obviously, you know, mindset is a huge part of what I do. And uh, and being able to give visualizations and um, just home home sort of um, prehab type stuff people can be doing for shoulder and, and recovery. And I think that now, I, I think is what the biggest thing that I'm seeing in the players is people embracing this. And I think it, it will just now become part of uh, their routine and, uh, and integrate that, you know, into, into their programs. Um, so I think that's one thing that I'm, I'm seeing a huge change in and I've had to sort of reinvent the wheel as well there, um, for, you know, in my own career. So
0: awesome, Emma. Awesome. And you mentioned prehab, I'm curious to dive into that a a little bit, you know, what is the concept of prehab and then what, what does that entail?
2: Yeah. So uh, one thing that I've done um, since quarantine hit, for example, uh, we started the M M&M and M show with Michelle Krause and I. We, you know, I rang her up one day and I just said, "Listen, Michelle, I'm 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 in the trenches. I'm I'm struggling with my energy." And and people always say I have got great energy. So I rang the other the other person in America that has great energy and and the two of us started this this M M&M and M show and I said, "Let's give them something people can do at home that's going to help their their tennis. Let's help their game." And, um, and let's give them, you know, a holistic approach. So let's give a physicality with a related mindset, and then we do a silly magnitude question just for fun at the end. And uh, and so, for example, a lot of the stuff that Michelle's been giving from from prehab perspective, um, a, a lot of rotator cuff, um, you know, we, we spend so much time on court with our shoulders coming, coming forward that, you know, just retracting the scapula and just really opening back up is, uh, you know, is really important. So being able to, um, pull the hands back this way and just be able to open up the, the shoulder blades this way um, is something that she's certainly been working on. And uh, that, a lot of that um, stuff we've been doing around core and we've always had, obviously, then the, the mindset theme with the core was uh, uh, care. So self-care, family care, friendship care. So just giving a little quick mindset tip each day. Uh, we, is something that we've certainly been doing. And, and that certainly relates, obviously, to prehab so that we're taking care of our body off court so that we can be the best version of ourselves on court.
0: Very cool, very cool. Um, and you mentioned like uh, mindset tips. I was wondering if you could maybe talk about like one, uh, one mindset tip that you've given your, you know, your students recently.
2: The one of I'd say one thing um, that's consistent throughout all of my, my work when I, you know, even if it's a, a brand new play that I'm working with um, is a, a mindset tip called anchoring and affirmations, you know, as we know, being able to get in state right before you play the point is, is critical. So making sure that you, you're trusting your gut, you trust your instincts, and you're ready to play the point, not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future, being in the present moment. And uh, anchoring is something that you do right before your ritual. Um, and, for example, could be anything from um, pressing the dampener on the racket with your thumb. It could be putting your thumb, your index, and your middle f- finger together. And that's an anchor. It could be an earring, could be a necklace, could be a wrist, or it could be your watch. Um, it's very specific. And if you can put in into those... Um, feelings of when you play your best tennis into those anchors uh, and then follow it up with an affirmation. So not, I am awesome, because that tends to <laughs> tends to be, um, yeah, obviously we want to be in state. We don't want to be, you know, dump a double fault in the net and think, oh, I am awesome. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not possible. Um, but just, I am ready. You know, I am, I'm here. Um, one girl I work with, she's about 250 now. Her, her one is, um, I'm here and now. So when she just puts the fingers behind the top layer of string, just, you know, I can do it uh, as long as it's not. A lot of people too, when they talk to themselves on court, it's like, you, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Um, It's so much more empowering just, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. So anchoring and affirmations is by far one of the most popular mindset little tips um, that then we embed a visualization in with that as well. And that's probably something that I've been doing a lot of recently with players.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I appreciate that. But, you know, for somebody who, um, you know, maybe they you can say that they might have a, a weaker mindset and they, they seem to not really play well uh, w- when it matters and all that. Like, what is the first step that you actually, you know, that you would suggest that they take in order to, to start on the journey of becoming a more uh, confident and, and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. more successful person?
2: Yeah. Uh, so self-awareness is always, um, number one. So you have to be Mm. self-aware of what you're actually doing. And obviously you have to have a want to, to improve that. Uh, so just bringing it to your self-awareness by whether that be, um, videotaping yourself to look at some people don't even know that they're getting in their own way of their own issues. So, um, for example, one player that I worked with, we only videotape them in between points. So we didn't have any footage of them hitting the ball. And they they actually had no idea that they walk basically across the baseline like this, shoulders down, head down, sorry, slumping, slumping forward. So uh, that was great visual feedback for them to go, hey, I really want to make a change around that. So obviously self-awareness is number one and and number two is is literally so much of what we do in tennis as as we know is in between points we've got all this time in between points and on the changeover uh which i know that on your uh, tennis files I've, I've done a number of presentations on what people could be thinking about because that's step two self-awareness is number one that you want to make the change number two is actually practical strategies and i'm huge into individualizing those strategies to suit your personality uh, so that you can embrace the pressure, you can embrace the battle of competition, and then you can put in place a, a strategy that's specific to you and your personality to be able to, um, you know, almost occupy the conscious mind with with what we need to be doing better rather than what we're always doing wrong or, you know, how we keep the self-fulfilling prophecy going of, of um, self-sabotaging our own success and uh, and helping them be in the moment. So it is a little bit individualized, of course. But especially what they do between, like that in between phase, is um, is absolutely critical to to, to making change.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff, Emma. And uh, what, what's the importance of determining your personality, and and how do you go about even doing that?
2: Uh, well. Um, I think, you know, there's so many different great tools out there that you can use free online. I mean, um, Myers-Briggs, I think, is is one of my favourites. If if you don't want to take a real deep dive, uh, just jump. I've got a uh, a YouTube um, clip that does your personality match your game style and uh, it was with Tennis Congress. So just jump jump on YouTube, just Google my name and, and personality playing styles. And I just provide the, you know, the four, the four quadrants, the crowd pleaser, the aggressive baseliner, the all court player and the consistent player. And really I'm talking about personality and um, so so that you can often how you can communicate with your doubles partner better. But if you're a coach listening, obviously you'd be like, Oh, okay. I've got a student who's more like that. I've got a student who's more like that. Um, And same with a parent, just being able to have a better self-awareness of how to communicate with your child. So uh, for me, it's really more about communication. So knowing, having a deeper awareness of what's going to help you bring out the best in you. So quick example for, uh, if I'm an all court player, which is the deep thinker uh, as personality, then before the match, I'm probably going to want to be by myself away from distractions, not really surrounded, you know, having a chat, like catching up with a friend right before I'm about to play. Uh, You know, visualizations um, would be very useful and, and, Because I'm a deep thinker, I want to have my structured game plan already in place before I walk out on the court. So that's an example of, you know, how you can just take care of those little things, uh, you know, depending on your personality style to bring out the best um, in yourself. And you know, the opposite, the crowd pleaser, is going to want to be listening to really beady music and maybe it be around a crowd and and really get the energy up, get the heart rate up and you know a bit of a, a show pony even just doing some racket skills on the side of the racket the top of the racket the butt cap of the racket you know uh just just um playing being playful with their personality is right before a match is, is going to help them
0: mm, mm, wow inspired. deep insights. Mm. There. appreciate that so maybe curious yeah. would be the uh, showstopper exactly
2: that- <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah right. and we've got like a more of, even though Sharapova's retired, you know she's that great aggressive baseline personality. So singular minded, completely focused, goal driven, bottom line answers. This is where I'm going. This is you know this is where I'm heading. You want to get to your match. You want to get the job done, and then you want to you want to leave. So uh, you know there's this obviously it all. And and in terms of actually your game, um, the way you play tennis. Um, I, in all the years I've been doing this personality stuff, which is since 2008 when I first designed it, uh, it, it, it basically is about 70% of the time that you will, your game style will somewhat reflect your personality. Not, not, so not always. It's, it's not a rule of thumb. It's not, you know, if you're a flamboyant personality but your game style is you just, you just get every ball back. Um, that's completely fine. Of course, it's not, you should change your game style at all. It's just uh, it's just how to, how to bring the best out in yourself, pre-match, post-match, during match, and communication. So, um, so there are some of my thoughts on that.
0: Uh, great stuff, Emma. appreciate that. Uh, we've got a, uh, a nice question here from JP. Um, and shout out to everybody, by the way, Gene, uh, Francis, JP, and everybody. Um, do you think one can play tennis to improve self-esteem? or is it better to have good self-esteem to compete well? What do you think?
2: <laughs> oh, uh, so 100%, um, I believe that you know tennis is a, a game that reflects life and it can 100% improve your self-esteem. And for me, with regards to self-esteem um, and, and with a number of clients that I work with, I, I describe it sort of layer by layer. It's it's If you think about the the onion concept, You're just stretching yourself one layer at a time. And that might just be improving your first serve percentage. Um, It might just be working, just moving quick around the court or understanding the geometry of the court. Whatever it is, um, if you pick something quite specific, that can help build that extra layer. And then layer by layer is how you build your self-esteem, which, of course, equals confidence over time. So, um, so I, uh, you know, tennis is a game of life. It reveals character. Uh, so, so to many sports, but I, you know, and that's one of my favorite things about tennis because you're alone, you're exposed and you don't often have a coach necessarily telling you what, what to do. Um, a lot of other sports, you know, can give you the plays you've got to create your own plays. And I hope that we don't move too much towards on-court coaching, you know. I mean, it is interesting, uh, but I love the essence, that the pure essence of tennis, which is, you know, problem-solving. It's a problem-solving game, and you have to be able to solve the problems. So um, thanks, JP, for that that question. Love it.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting time with regards to that because I was just reading an article from uh, Patrick, well, about Patrick Martiglo's, like UTS, uh, which was going to have like on coaching, like, you know, you can use cards to even take away first serves and things like that. So, yeah, you no, know, it's going to be <laughs> very interesting, yeah. but, uh, I like that as
2: well. Like, I mean, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm into that, especially for developing self-esteem because, you know, the more we can put ourselves under pressure and build resilience and, and, uh, you know, through creative activities like that, um, you know, I know that Judy Murray and I have you know, done many sort of Um, workshops and things together and and uh, we're always coming up with those sort of unique ways of of how can we uh, layer in pressure but have people experience and embrace it rather than ah what do you mean I've only got one serve I've got to serve with my left hand or I've or I'm allowed to catch the ball and you know if I catch it the ball's out no matter where the ball lands I can only do it once a game you know just it builds um, so many great skills especially for you know for kids who are Hopefully, falling in love with with this sport that you know that we love.
0: For sure, for sure, mm. Emma. Mm. Um, let's see, we got some comments, some questions. Higher level tennis, you can see which people have a bigger heart in the third set or final set. I'd have to agree with that.
2: Yeah, sure. yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I do. Oh, I, sure. I love the Spanish. They, uh, I forget exactly what it is, but it's something like. um, um, you know you, first you you break their techniques, then you break them down tactically, then you break the break down their legs and then you break down their heart. you know it's like <laughs> soul heart. it's like you just keep you know pressing the pressing your thumb into the sore spots.
0: Yeah, oh gosh, foam rolling You're reminding me of the pain for that, but feels good though, you know <laughs> it's kind of like that. If you work on mm-hmm. it, press in there, then you'll improve um, good stuff and we yeah. gotta let's see. JP, thank you. Because for some players, the lack of self-esteem seems to prevent them to play freely. Like they play too much for self-esteem. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, ego. Ego in tennis is huge, isn't it? And uh, you know, sometimes when we and I think when 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 that gets out of control. I mean, that's my biggest fear in tennis. You know, like sometimes when when we we lose the essence of playing for the sport, and we end up playing like I should beat this guy or. Or girl, you know, I, I I've got a much bigger serve, or something, you know, a lot of players I've worked with. If they just lose their their serve in the first game, that's it. That's the first set gone, because of the you know when the ego can can um can take over. Whereas I love the concept of self esteem. I love the concept of just building self esteem to help you really embrace that that battle of competition. And and you know, with a growth mindset, you lose your you lose the first game. You lose you lose your serve it doesn't mean anything
0: except it's love one. Um, so we have a question from Karthik, who is asking, what could be breathing tempo to reduce anxiety on court during those cold feet moments during matches? Mm-hmm.
2: Fantastic. Um, so the breathing is something that's very, uh, v- very important. If you can get on top of your breathing, then you can get on top of um, you know, so many things that relate to helping you be able to play in state. So the biggest thing that you can do is um, uh, when you breathe in, that actually increases your heart rate. So, and a long exhale actually can decrease your heart rate. So uh, one of the things, you know, so just a longer exhale alone, it can really help you. Um, Connecting an affirmation with that. So breathe in confidence and breathe out doubt. So just a longer exhale before you you do your your ritual, um, just just after you fire off your anchor and your affirmation is absolutely critical. If I do a lot of sort of mindfulness breathing um, visualizations for my clients, and uh, with anxiety we do as well. We do four seconds in, so one, two, three, four, and then we hold at the top, and then we go out for seven. So breathing out one two, three, four, five, six, seven, hold. So that's a great one for anxiety Um, and circular nostril breathing. So just closing one side, breathing in, and then closing the other side and breathing out. So Mm -hmm. there's so many great things you can do with breathing, but in in the match, just a longer exhale, just, all right, that's a shorter one. And then, and then, and and same. Kids learn best through opposites, and adults we're the same. So that short one, feel it, and then just really letting it go. And on the change of just make sure you breathe into your into your belly. So diaphragm, diaphragmatic breathing. So expand the stomach and down. And if you just do that for six seconds in and six seconds out for one minute, you can reduce your heart rate. Uh, which is a great thing to do on the change of ends if you if you're really feeling feeling that tension, and then when you get up, remember the energy uh, with tension is held in your feet. So two feet over the line, or you know, you see the little Nadal movement when you when you're getting up off the change of ends, just pat 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 pat, pat um, just to get yourself up again after that that relaxation breath. Uh, so a couple of so many great things you can do with breathing. That could be another podcast just on breathing. But um, but I really love it. I use it. I, I believe in it. And I I use it, you know, um, before I did my TEDx talk in, in, uh, in New York, I was breathing is what got me through. So um, So I'm really, yeah, huge believer in it and practice it.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for asking about that, uh, about breathing Karthik. I mean, I, you know, I practice meditation every day and that's obviously a part of it and, and keeping track of your breath. So, uh, great, great question. Um, so we have one from James, interesting one. Hopefully we can try to interpret it, uh, properly. He says, uh, thank you. Can you please connect losses greater than point game set match? Do you, Emma, do you kind of get that or do you, do you want me to try and follow up uh, a bit on that or ask James to? Um, uh,
2: yeah, I mean, th- my interpretation of that, I think, uh, apologies if, I, if I've got it wrong, uh, okay. it's just, you know, I, I love the statistic, for example, that Rafael Nadal's won something like 98% of all his French Open matches, but he still lost... Like something crazy, like forty-six percent of all points. So losses, you know, in tennis, um, you have to you have to get really comfortable, almost coming second, like losing every second or every third point. Yet you could still win a lot of matches. So you could still have a high percentage of, of win. You know, that, so I think tennis rewards rewards bravery, not perfection. And so I think that that's how I interpret that question. For me, losses. And coming second, and that's why tennis exposes our character, because you just have to you have to get comfortable being able to say, All right, I lost that point, but perhaps, you know, I I, I set the point up well, or you have to try and connect with something, um, so that then you still have an opportunity to, you know, to be able to play the next point. And I'm I'm a huge believer also in momentum in playing to the score. So understanding for me that the point, um, you know, I, I'm not a huge, you know, I don't necessarily a lot of people say just play the same point, all the same. Uh, whereas I think you know, there's ways that you, with momentum, how to start, stop, and steer it in your direction, based on the score, um, will really determine you know how you structure your your tactical objective for each point. Uh, so I probably gave three answers to a potential um, really cryptic question there, but hopefully I covered something uh, for James
0: yeah no i i love that answer and also uh love to extract that quote that you said that is the tennis rewards bravery not perfection i mean and i when you said that it made me think about um you know tennis players who they they feel like they're never ready to even play a tournament but just simply because oh my game's not ready it's not ready and obviously there is you know some aspect of like okay if i'm working on a technique change then okay maybe i want to back off but otherwise many players uh, because of fear they don't launch into uh, you know improving their game through uh, experiencing pressure or things like that so that's yeah. a really good one that you made yeah
2: there. yeah the, the more the more people can put yourself uh, you know in, in those pressure moments in practice and in a match because all, all you we, you know we ever want to do is transfer what we do in practice into a match. Um, I've met a couple of people that always say they play better in, in matches compared to practice, but it's 95 percent the other way around, where people are like, you know, I just wish I could play like I do in practice in a match. So I think, uh, you know, the more you can expose yourself to that. I mean, I certainly worked with a player once we were we were developing a kick serve, and um, and so you know, in during that that period, we still played, but he just served every um, serve up. He's like, I still want, I still want the, the rally of the points, even. But I don't want to serve because every time I go into a match, my serve technique, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm losing it. So I just want to, um, still compete. And, um, I, you know, that was his idea. I was like, wow, that's that's really resilient. I, I, and, yeah, who's, what's not to like about that quality?
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it, love it. Yeah. Um, let's see, yeah, and Jean, great, <clears throat> yeah, she loves a quote. Um, let's see, Chris has a nice question here, uh, Christopher. Suggestions/slash strategies for uh, preventing unforced errors from escalating into a downward performance spiral during match play.
2: Mm-hmm. So, unforced errors, uh, you know, really, there's there's any number of reasons why they occur. Um, so, again, coming back to what I said earlier, self awareness is number one. Yeah, you know, I'm a huge, uh, I'm a, I'm a big. Um, what we call an indirect style of, of coach. So I'm huge on asking questions. So when an unforced error happens, first of all, great, you know, great question is just, can you tell me, was it a, a technical error, tactical, physical, or a mindset? So just, you know, sometimes because as a coach, we we might jump in the space and say, you know, your loop was too big, and, and we, we we'll go straight to technical because we we see that And maybe the loop was a little big, but they were think they weren't even thinking about defending that ball they were going for the Hollywood all the way just because you know they were tired or because they couldn't be bothered or they'd already checked out mentally so I think self-awareness number one um, is what the type of error it is and uh, not just looking at the last shot as well with unforced errors you know um, often, often as coaches again we always comment on that last shot Whereas so much potentially what happened in the in the bulk of the point, I always say there's four parts to a point: the start, the setup, the opportunity, and the finish. So uh, let's look at all those four areas um, in, in where in the where in the in the uh, the process did it break down? You know, perhaps it was my it's my serve that then keeps putting me on the back foot. Um, and so I'm getting frustrated with that and then I make an unforced error. So self-awareness, looking at the four different parts, looking at the four different parts of a point, help you then be able to make change. And being able to make change, especially if you're in a match and you want quick change or in a match play, Q words. I'm a huge believer in Q words. So find what the source is of the problem uh, and, and say to yourself, next time, let's say, for example, it was technical and it was on your serve, and you hit the ball in the net. Toss it higher. So it, it toss higher. Two keywords: toss higher. Next time, toss higher. Now, there's a little subtlety there. If you want to, if you want to stop the flow of unforced errors and stop thinking in the past, have an awareness, have a self-awareness of of yes, what happened, but then tell, give yourself a future-based command. And hopefully, your coach will ask a great question with regards to you discovering the answer within yourself and pulling out a keyword word that you relate to, whether it be a feeling word or a visual word or um, or something that sounds good to you, and give yourself a future-based command by using these two words, which will be a game-changer, I promise, next time, next time. Because that, what that does is, you know, rather than stop hitting it in the net or, you know, why do you, why do you keep hitting to the guys or girls forehand? You know, just, hey, next time, high and heavy in the back end, or next time whatever
0: it might be. Awesome. Awesome. Love that. And um, yeah, and we've got George with a, you know, question here. And also thanks for, you know, great seeing you in Maryland. I want to bring you to VA. I'm, I'm down. Uh, so it's related. How do you convince someone to forget about the last mistake and move on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you talked about it a little bit.
2: But. Yeah, yeah. No, love that question. But uh, release strategies. So that's what I call them, and uh, but again, remember their personality. That's where personality does come into it. So I'm I'm actually um, a huge fan, George, uh, of uh, depending on, again. Let's say that I'm my personality is uh, the 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 crowd pleaser type personality. For three seconds or three steps, let me be me. Like if that frustrated me. Um, and I want to I want to let some physical emotion or um, sound out. Then then let me do it. As long as it's straight away, like ah, oh, no, I could make that shot or whatever it might be. And then a release strategy might be um, lifting up a, a rubber band on my on my wrist and then flick, and flicking my skin. And when it flicks my skin, I say the word stop. Um, and that, again, that could be out loud if that's my personality, um, or it could just be more internal. And after I've said stop then I have to become future-based thinker. I have to become a future-based thinker. If I get stuck in why I missed that ball, or what you know, um, why do I keep missing that shot, then, again, people, they'll ruminate and they won't be able to let it go. So uh, the flick strategy is a good one. The butt cap, pushing the butt cap of the racket um, into the, the palm of the hand creates like a little, again, a little stop sign on the hand. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Maybe I can, maybe if I'm more internal, then, you know, I can be, you can berate yourself internally, like, you idiot, and push, 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 push as hard as you can and then let it go. And, of course, the towels is another great release strategy. This, please, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of individualising it based on, on personality and, and based on what's going to work for each player. It's not one size fits all, but there's three examples of helping people then be able to stay in state and you do also fire off your anchor and your affirmation twice um, in in those scenarios. So, um, but George, yep, yeah, can't wait to see you in Maryland. We nearly got our last clinic off the ground, but um, but yeah, can't wait to um to see you again. So thanks for that question.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, thank you for that, Emma. I'm curious too. You know, obviously you've given a lot of amazing advice here. Um, as far as your journey, uh, it, you know, in tennis. Um, and then with respect to like uh, the mental game, was there any sort of experience or reason that, that made you want to focus on, uh, on like the m- mindset, uh, area?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. When I got out of tennis altogether, uh, oh. I thought I was going to have a career change, uh, it was around, uh, two, 2007 and, um, I'd been coaching on the tour for about eight years, uh, mainly in the junior space. And I was burnt out because I, as a coach, didn't have enough tools in my toolkit to be able to bring out the best in different types of players and personalities and especially parents. I didn't know how to really relate and understand, you know, it's I was pretty much a kinesthetic learner and I taught that way and I was extrovert, so that's just who I was and, you know, you either accepted me or you didn't. And uh, so then I was like, well, how come I – you know, take a team away. And I was like, yeah, it worked really well with those two, but I didn't really get that one. And I didn't, you know, that one, I couldn't really bring out the best in them. And, and, you know, of course, I I was catapulted back into it after studying emotional intelligence and neurolinguistic programming and, and life coaching, business coaching, and all these tools where I was like oh wow I have to change who I am (laughs) to be able to relate to different players and I was like oh wow you know I mean yes a coach can have standards and principles and philosophies and that's the core of what they believe you know however you know as we know when you put the player at the center of the of the learning then you have to be able to understand them you have to be able to see their map of the world and understand their motivations and why are they are playing and what are their goals and what do they want and and when you totally absorb yourself in that then you say okay well maybe I need to whisper my message or maybe I need maybe I need to soften my approach or maybe I need to sometimes give a direct command but you know one thing I've was huge in post that course was asking more questions mm. and really believing that you as the student the answer lives within you but just how can I unlock that by creating a great activity or a great drill, or put you in a great pressurized situation f- to unlock that learning within yourself. So, um, so that's that's why my because my when I was out of college, my degree. Um, I, I played D one college tennis at Middle Tennessee State University uh, back in the nineties, and uh, and then got my degree, um, but majored in exercise science and exercise physiology. So I started out more in the as a fitness coach and got a lot of opportunities at a high performance level because I I was a tennis coach and I had the, the strength and conditioning background, um, which I'm very grateful for. It helped me understand technique better in the early days. Uh, but now I certainly, um, you know, most of my work, uh, even when I'm on court is so much around mindset.
0: Awesome. What, what Mm -hmm. is one, um, you know, belief that you held regarding mindset that, Uh, the change you know once you went through that process of Mm. self-education
2: probably uh, one of the things well I've I've sort of already alluded to it I guess uh but it was just the fact that I think as a coach you know I had I had a lot of knowledge and so almost every session I just want to give knowledge Mm. and uh uh, and just be direct and just, Hey, you know, you need to do, I, I, you know, I've got the answer for you, you need to do this. And then, uh, you know, once I went through this transformation and especially around language, uh, cause I, I felt that, you know, language was just just for, for me to give everything like verbally, um, and just tell. And, um, I think, you know, verbal diarrhea would be a way to <laughs> explain it if I can. And so the biggest change in, in myself was, being able to, the power of the pause, know when to say, you know, what, you know, it's almost like um, one of my mentors once said to me, a beginning coach runs an activity and an experienced coach lives an activity. You know, the the, the deep wisdom in knowing when to do what and why, why are you doing it? I mean, um, you know, Darren Cahill has, you know, five five qualities that make up a, a, a champion, like top 10 players in the world and and um, number two is purpose, you know, which is the why. So great coaches, I think, understand the why. And and players who really want to get better, they want to know the why. And, of course, I'm into female empowerment. When you, you know, girls don't really care what you know until they know that you care. All right. Maybe that's a paraphrase of someone famous. Um, <laughs> um, so you know, they, they doesn't matter what your credentials are. If they understand the why, then they're going to be deeply dedicated towards, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Or, uh, you know, or this is the why, well, I think we, we should do this and okay, great, let, let's go. So I think the coaching process is, is more collaborative. Uh, it's more um, holistic and it's not one size fits all. And the, the mindset with regards to how we build up our inner coach and discover our inner coach as players as coaches as people on and off the court is the biggest difference between chapter one and chapter two of my of my coaching life.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that reminds me of a talk by, I think it was it Simon Sinek, uh, which is uh, all about your whys as well, which is a great one. But we'll, we'll try to link to uh, Darren Cahill's uh, article there. And, and so you mentioned the second uh, trait, obviously, but wh- what was the number one uh, on the list? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've
2: got just um, have it next to my computer. So uh, work ethic was one, purpose was two, belief was three, resilience mm-hmm. is four, and team is five.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you yeah. for that. And with uh, work ethic. So, I mean, this is something that like I we all encounter it, but, you know, I encountered a lot. I mean, I grew up, you know, very fortunate, but then also it makes you very comfortable. And then you want to choose like the easy route and all this. So um, with work ethic, how can we develop a stronger work ethic and really make the right choices, even despite yeah, how hard they are so that we can actually make real progress?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, my best, I guess, th- there's no easy answer, um, except of course because it's hard work. Uh, except yes. uh, the concept that I, I mentioned earlier, I would still say that 80 to 90 percent of the clients that I work with, it's about just stretching one layer at a time. So if you want to, it's like you want to build work ethic, then just build it one drill at a time. You know, it might just be you know the the old Harry Hotman a two-on-one, I mean, the greatest tennis drill ever that's been around forever, and it is hard work. When you've got two people volleying, you've got no time, your heart rate, you know, you do that for three minutes with a goal of trying to make 10 unforced errors or less for an intermediate player, so to speak, and uh, that is a really difficult activity. So maybe your threshold is you can only get through one of those then next time you do it you you give yourself a goal of getting through two of those you know we're still trying to make less than 10 unforced unforced errors not forcing errors so uh you know that's just a real example of um a lot of people what they do with work ethic they make the mistake of going from one extreme to the other now that does work again for 10 percent of the population they throw themselves out of the comfort zone and they do like a boot camp and um you know and they, and they they then they make that part of just who they are but most people when they try and implement something extreme they're good at it for about a week and then it, and then it falls off and as we know it takes 21 days to form a habit so you know minimum we need to be slowly stretching ourselves over three weeks that we then get comfortable being uncomfortable uh, so that's what I would suggest you set yourself just one little goal that's going to hurt. And then, okay, hey, you know what? I can do that. That wasn't too bad. Or, you know, in my girl power camps, you know, I say, right, ball's up in under a minute. And then they get the ball's up in under a minute. And I was like, right, I'm going to reward you with a one-court suicide. And they're, like, looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, yeah, because the fitter you become, you're going to be harder to beat. And they do a one-court suicide. If you do it from doubles line to doubles, you know, to single to middle to single to double, that's about 17 seconds. should take about, you know, for uh, – an athletic junior right it's not there's no lactic acid build up in a 17 second suicide and they're like let's do it again and I'm like oh yep that's where I know we've got the aha or the gold medal or so but if I made them do a you know a real lactate sort of um a three-quart suicide and you know because they didn't get the balls up in under a minute and you know I mean that's like a recipe for people to quit
0: yeah yeah and 100 percent. i mean there's uh, even this story that i remember about um somebody who like they hated to floss so then what somebody told them to do is say all right just set the goal of flossing one tooth and uh you know uh, then you know once you start flossing one tooth you're like oh what the heck you know i can i can do exactly. some more and and so you build that habit so even though that's an extreme example which apparently is actually true um yeah i mean it's it Correlates with what
1: you said. For sure.
2: oh, I, don't, I think I don't think it's an extreme example. I think it's a great example.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, yeah, I I am doing at the moment. I'm running um, something called the Empowerment Project for Center Court 360 in in New York for. Um, but it's it is open to, to everyone actually. Uh, webinars, uh, free webinars, and um, perhaps we can put the link in or we'll organise that. But uh, basically, last week was all about patterns and patterns of being. Um, so it's up on YouTube if anyone ha- wants to have a look at it. But essentially, uh, what what we what we did in that process is is look at you know the patterns will happen either through the through the senses. So it'll be something that you smell or something you hear or something somebody says or something you see, and then all of a sudden you're down the rabbit hole um, with your patterns and with your routines. So if you can get to the trigger, like there'll be one trigger then and identify that and replace it with an anchor Uh, that was one of the strategies uh, we covered last week in patterns and and making patterns you know changes because the amount of sleep we get what we do right before we go to bed and what, what we do right when we wake up in the morning affects how you play tennis no doubt about it
0: yeah awesome and yeah we'll definitely uh arrange to get that link in the show notes and and uh so that you all can check it out uh, the webinar. Um, let's see. Higher level tennis. Uh, I think you could use questions as well to help them focus on the next point. Ask them something to focus on, on the next point. For example, where has their opponent been serving to on the juice side? Is that, uh, I mean, I, I like that. Is that a strategy that you like to use?
2: Absolutely. So it's question, question based skills. I mean, it's memory recall in tennis. You have to have memory recall. Um, so being able to have them be aware of, you know, yeah, he, he every time he's, his serve naturally slides out to my, you know, on the juice side out to my forehand and he does the same thing on, on the ad cord or she, sorry. And, uh, and so basically, uh, with those two concepts in mind, th- then it, it's brought to their conscious awareness. So then the question, uh, and the best advice I would say was, okay, so next time, what are you going to do about it? Oh, I'm going to adjust my return to serve position, you know, rather than, um, rather than asking a past based question, you know, um, he or she keeps, you keep, you know, keeps getting you there. Like, you know, oh yeah, they do. Like I'm not, I'm not standing in the right position. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not reading that early enough. I'm not moving at an angle out to the ball. I'm just going along. Like that's, that, that's all accurate information, but there's three things there that I just said is going to weigh me down. That's going to push me into negative thought processes and I'm probably gonna repeat, even though I'm aware of it, because of the way that I've languaged it and my physiology, might how that affects my body, I'm probably gonna keep doing the same mistake. Whereas if I say, hey, next time I'm gonna cut off the angle, next time I'm gonna shift my hips around on the juice cord, I'm gonna put one foot in the tram lines or the or the alley here in America. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be able to, to widen my base. You know, there's four things already that are so much more empowering. My body's gonna to wanna to do it. I'm gonna be connected to the why because you know i want to i want to make sure that that never happens again so um so yeah really love it high level tennis love your thinking love those that question and then go into future based thinking
0: love it awesome does that make sense Did yeah it makes total okay. sense i appreciate cool. that it's awesome uh let's see jp is it a bad idea to just realize that thinking about the last lost point will never help rational thinking and refocus on what is useful
2: uh is it a bad idea to, to just realize that thinking at the last
0: point so um good idea right like cause you, can you reframe the question for me yeah i think it seemed no no worries yeah i think it it's basically saying uh isn't it better to just realize that um think that you should think that okay the la i lost the last point but it's not going to help me and then instead just think more rationally and then refocus on what is going to be useful.
2: Oh, okay. Great. Get the question now. Um, So (laughs) a hundred percent, like, you know, even if we, we um, not that I want to get too much into neuroscience, because I'm not a neuroscientist don't profess to be, but I do love sort of the three, the concepts of the brain, um, the, the three layers, the neocortex, the limbic, and then, you know, sort of that, that fight or flight right there. Now that's sort of called leveling now in tennis, you have, you know, when you, we get too much into the limbic system, when we get too emotional, as we know, we tighten our grip, we, 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 our shoulders raise and we're not able to just play. So the more you can think, um, because we have so much time between points as well and stay in that neocortex sort of level, then essentially what we're doing is we're we're thinking about like analytically about hopefully in a match more the, the tactical objective Right, we don't want to think too much about technique. Um, obviously, we need to think more about the strategy and the structure of your points. So, uh, in the between point routine, as soon as that point's over, I'm okay if you need to um, reflect on or you need to pop into some emotion there. But the quicker that you can then reset into the thinking phase of what do you need to do better based on what happened then come back to the present as quick as you can and then get future-based, get future-based as you're fixing your strings. Okay. So for example, you you lost the last point uh, because you keep playing to their strengths. Okay. So right. Let it go. Now, what do I need to do better? I'm going to go high and heavy to the, to the forehand first to pull this person out wide so I can open up their weakness. Okay, so I need to think in the neocortex. I need to think rationally, think logically, stay in that part of the brain. And then when I fire off my anchor, I don't want to be, I don't want to be thinking about that anymore. My body knows what I need to do. So now I just want to play. Now I just want to trust my body. Uh, and the other thing around that, that that may be a bit of a bonus tip here is I, it always amazes me when people call out the score. So often they'll call it out right before they're about to play the point. Uh, and they'll be on the baseline even, you know, and they're 30 40 or you know.
0: Uh-oh.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you if you can call the score uh just um before you're thinking tactically, that's perfect for it then help you be able to structure your point rationally, logically, analytically. Uh so that's a, a good time to to think about that. So um maybe it was a long-winded answer, but hopefully again uh somewhere in the ballpark.
0: Yeah, no, very valuable. Appreciate that, Emma. Uh, Let's see. So George, oh, good coaching question, I believe. What if you're not getting through to your player in a match or practice? What's next? How do you get through or do you step back and allow them to figure it out uh, or fail?
2: Yep. So all of those questions are the right answers, Uh, you know, in terms of when to step back, when to say nothing, when to jump in the space, the better that you can get to know the different types of players, uh, the more success that you will have. So remember, it's not one size fits all. And often as coaches, what we tend to do is we tend to coach. Uh, we can't help it sometimes in line with our personality and in, in line with how we learned and how we were taught. So being able to have self-awareness around, you know what, just because I learned that way does not mean that my student's going to learn that way. And if you're giving a message in a certain way, and a lot of parents say this too, they go, oh, you know, I've told you 50 times that, you know, you've got to have your racket up in the ready position, something as simple as that. And of course the player's still got their racket down or whatever it might be. So uh, clearly that's not working. So um, so first of all, think across the senses. So if you're giving a message auditorily, let's give it a go visually. If you're giving a message visually, it's not working. Let's give it a go kinesthetically, just give them an activity. If that's not working, try opposites if you're trying to teach depth then work on work on short and then depth and then short and then depth and if that's not working uh, try um, a a really strong process of um, pros and cons so a data digital learner is going to need the whole list here's the benefits of changing your grip to continental semi-western if you you know coaching a um a more advanced female place you might want to move that grip around like Give, give all, here all the pros, here are all the cons of this, of this grip change. If that doesn't work, yes, jump out of the space. Some people have the biggest aha moment when they come back to train the next day. So here we are as a coach giving 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 but the aha moment happens that night. Oh now I get that activity and then and then you know so so coach across a multitude multitudinal um, level way, a uh, huge fan of having whiteboards on the court. I mean, I don't know why, as coaches, we don't have more aids, you know, on the court. Like in my ideal world, I don't know when I retire, I, I, I visualize an indoor court that has a mirror and a, uh, you know, all my on-court, off-court kinesthetic learning pieces of equipment. Um, huge believer in in that, and uh, just keep, yeah, just keep try this, try that, try
0: this. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that, Emma. Thanks, George. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, George. What well, so we got, uh, some more questions here. So I think Ben, we reviewed the five top factors earlier, I believe. So we can, you know, you can always rewind if you'd like. Um, Ben, again, can we review uh, an example or two of setting an anchor?
2: Yeah, sure. So, with anchoring, the first thing that you want to do is have a self awareness around the best match that you've ever played. So, think back. Um, actually, let's do it. Ready? Um, let's go, Marin. You're going to be my my student. Right. Um, I want you just to take a deep breath in, nice long exhale, and you know you can do this. Eyes open, eyes closed, up to you. But I just want you to just transport yourself back to one of your best matches. So just take a moment, just to visualize your surroundings, the sound of the ball, perhaps. And just an associated feeling that you had on that day, and now just opening your eyes and just coming back into the room. And I'm hoping you did this. think of something. Did you? I did. Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> um, obviously, that was very quick, very quick example. I knew that you already had. Yeah, you know, we already we planned this before the show. No, we didn't. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, just tell me a little bit about the day and the match.
0: Yeah, so it was actually a, a college tennis match uh, at Boston University, and I was playing obviously against an opponent, and as far as my uh, what I felt, uh, well, actually, the surroundings were at my teammates watching and cheering, and then uh, as far as my feelings, I, I felt really high energy and excitement and you know just great focus on the court, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, those, those were kind of the overall uh, thoughts there.
2: Great, great. Now, is there something that because you've been playing for a while, is there something that you already do um, that you touch? Is it you know a hat, or is it uh, um, something that that you connect with on your racket? Um, not 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 fixing your strings. It could be it can be a specific string. It could be the side string, the top string, the bottom string, the throat of the racket, the dampener. Um, is there something that you already connect with um, that you wear
0: or? Mm, well, I guess I don't know if this answers the question, but like I just like the feeling of like holding the throat of the racket yeah. um, like when I'm returning things like that, or okay. like flipping the racket around sometimes. Great.
2: So, um, what I would suggest then uh, is potentially um, using your your left because uh, you're right-handed, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Your left uh, your left index finger in the throat, so just hooking it in the in the throat of the racket. And, um, and then connecting um, a, a, an affirmation with that. So that's one I would maybe suggest for you just based on what you said. But, again, obviously anchoring is totally up to you. So, again, it could be um, an earring, a part of the hat. So a girl I'm working with at the moment uses um, the four fingers and, and the thumb on the, on the right side of the hat. Mm. Um, another girl I'm working with at the moment uh, has an index finger and a thumb just on her watch. Mm. Uh, the the dampener is a big one, pressing on the dampener. And then connecting an affirmation with that. So, uh, some examples include I belong here. I believe in me. I am ready. Um, I love competing. Uh, I'm here and now. So, something that keeps me in the present, something that, that gets me ready for the battle, the, to embrace the battle of competition. Um, and with the, some of the words that you used, um, you were drawing off that energy, off that excitement. I am energy. Um, so, that's going right, every point, doesn't matter what happened last point, I am energy. Uh, and then obviously something that resonates with you, and then and then give that a go for six months, and then after six months, um, you know, uh, see how it felt, and then maybe have a shift. But give it a go for a minimum sort of a longer time frame, because it's not it's not meant to say it's not meant to say I'm going to win the point. The, the that's not the purpose of the anchor. The purpose of the anchor is to get you in state to be able to give yourself every opportunity of being able to play well. Um, so did any of those resonate with you?
0: Yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, um, I'm probably going to try the, you know, the the finger on the uh, hooked on the throat and, and saying, um, trying to think what I would say. Mm, I am energy perhaps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah.
2: Yep. And And,
0: mm -hmm. yep. Go ahead. Sorry. And then uh, just to go back to like choosing. So as far as what to choose, like you just try to think back to that time where you were successful and then try to think of, what part of the racket or something that you were connected with on that day is that was that
2: yeah so well the idea is when you're when you're thinking back to that moment that was a state like a state that you had in on that day and then what you're doing you're anchoring that state into the racket so it's not it's not you don't I didn't pick the racket because of that day I picked the racket because you said that's something you normally do. Mm. So you know, not rather than reinventing the wheel, having you do something completely foreign. If you mm. if you naturally have a, a tendency to do that, all I'm saying is that you then anchor through visualization that that match to to the throat. So um, with one of my online courses, for example, it's called Master Your Mindset. So what we do, there's like. I don't know, at least 10 visualizations on how to beat different game styles. And in every single one of them during the visualization, which only goes for about six to eight minutes, you anchor, you you, you fire off your anchor in the visualization. So it's either you imagining yourself playing an all core player or, or, or a pusher or a counterpuncher or whatever it might be. Um, and then the, the, the very first visualization is you anchoring in those positive feelings connected to a match where you play really well. Mm-hmm. So that's how you develop the, the anchor um, and then you just give it a go. And, and usually, you know, like I said, I, I have the most success with that mindset tip across, you know, all the players that I work with. That's one that I use myself. I do head, heart and gut, three fingers. I could do it. You know, mm-hmm. when I play now mainly golf tournaments and, uh, and when I'm about to do a big presentation. You know, I'm firing off that anchor. You know, I've, I've got a conflict conversation. I'm firing off my anchor. I'm getting myself in state to be able to embrace whatever's going to come at me or, or whatever I need to, the lessons I need to learn. So it's it's something you can use on and off the court that's a, a life skill that is, it's, it's been a game changer for me and I know it has for a lot of my clients um, that, as I said, use it before, especially, you know, student athletes, use it before exams, uh so that's why you know sometimes we don't always um anchor it into the racket so you mm. know depending on on what what it is that they want to use but um but yeah explore experiment and uh and then when you when you choose one you know try and do it with a visualization is, is is connect that anchor with with that or just close your eyes and imagine yourself playing well you get your racket and you anchor it in um three
0: times Ooh, love it love it yeah we got some great comments here karthik said few emma's on fire that's heavy love it <laughs> and uh we got gail who said so interesting awesome yeah I, it, emma i should have i realized i should have asked you you know if you had an appointment uh at, at one but um i uh i don't know we can oh, get wait. through a few questions oh you're good okay great yeah i uh, appreciate that uh oh we got a bunch of <laughs> questions so andrew which do you believe is more important Having the physical preparation to complement your mental performance or your mental outlook to complement your physical performance? Nice one.
2: Great question. And I would say it depends on your personality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some it's people stunning. need the mindset to then be able to work on, on their physicality um, to be able, in, in a match to be able to play well. And some people need, you know, what, the, the more physically fit they get, the more... Their mindset just says, "You know, I'm so tough to beat that my mindset has to be bulletproof." Uh, Oh, that was a terrible expression. Sorry, Um, has to be, you know, um, solid. So it it depends on culture, depends on your, your your upbringing, depends on your what you value uh, and I, I, don't think it's necessarily one size fits all, but again, based on my four personality profiles, I can kind of have an indication of what's going to be more important to what type of personality. So that's why that, that comes into it. Um, the way people are raised, what, what they value. And, uh, yeah, so I think that that's, you know, especially like the, the crowd pleaser who doesn't necessarily want to do the hard work. So, you know they're gonna need need that stimulation that gamification that competitive um, physicality before that they're, they're gonna really work on their on their fitness so yeah
0: yeah no it's a great question great answer I mean I, I you know that really made me think too because whenever I feel like I'm not fit I know that I'm in trouble <laughs> I'm screwed yeah. you know especially when you're playing a uh, you know tough yeah. player so
2: yeah, yeah. But it doesn't need to be. Because as we know, it's not the person, the fittest person who wins. Right. So when it's all said and done, uh, there's ways that you can, even when you're, I mean, when do we ever go on court feeling 100% fit?
0: Right.
2: we've always got an, even the top players, we always have a niggle or we always have, oh God, I'm stiff, I'm sore. Or, you know, if I'm late in the tournament, my body's going to be sore. Uh, And so being able to more have strategies to say, okay, well, I made it to the quarters. So has the other person. So they're physically, potentially as sore as what I am. You know, it's it's being able to put strategies in place to help you, uh, yeah, be able to to give yourself every chance of playing it, be at best. So thanks, Andrew.
0: Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Uh, Let's see. Oh, JP, uh, more, maybe a comment, but hard to have that rational thinking with anger for sure. But after a few breaths, I think it's possible and becomes a habit. So yeah, definitely. Agree. Agree. Um, Samantha, and thanks for that. Uh, Samantha, how can one manage to play at their opponent's slower pace and not get frustrated by this?
2: Yep, great question. Uh, so, you know, one thing that we need you need to do, um, and it's not always possible, but if you know beforehand that you're going to play someone that you played before that plays at a slower pace, then there's a number of things that you need to do before the match to get ready for that. Uh, it may be just embracing. Hey, today's going to be a, today's going to be a long day, and I'm okay with that. Um, I, I'm prepared to stay out on the court as long as it takes. Uh, I realize that my match might be the last one on, and I'm okay with that. I accept it. You know, I'm 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 ready. I'm ready for whatever this person throws at me. So that would be just the maybe the pre-match work that needs to be done. And then during the match, if you have your own routine and that you know this person is is playing slow, so let's say you didn't know them prior, but you, you're feeling like they take forever in their routine, then just if you continue to do your routine, maybe you just do it twice. Mm. So, uh, you know, you think tactically, you, you get the pass the balls back, then you fire off your anchor and your affirmation, And instead of going into your ritual, and then a lot of people, they get into their return to serve ritual and they're waiting and they're waiting and then they're like, oh, my God, this person. (laughs) Oh, there's me. You know, please don't get into your ritual until they're, they're ready. So what you may need to do is step back away from the baseline, continue, just go over the plan one more time, fire off your anchor and your affirmation again, and then get into your ritual. So just if you've got your set, um, ritual, um, for example, I, we just, um, we, I usually start with the word SARS. So turn strings, anchor, affirmation, ritual. So even if you just take those four steps, uh, and then make them your own. So, you know, again, you might be a bit quirky in in how you do that. Um, and, and in line with your personality, again, there's a theme here, uh, then you, you can't go wrong because you're, remember your neocortex or your cognitive piece of your brain is doing so much thinking about what you need to do that the energy's on you that you're not going to get caught up in how much they annoy you because everyone will annoy you on a tennis court at some point or another so accept it embrace it there's all all creatures great and small out there I mean you know in in my 30 years I've, I've seen a lot of different things and the more you can occupy your mind with what you need to do in your routine. And the more structured that is, the better, um, the four steps, just, just double up, double up or do them again. So love that question. Thank you, Samantha.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Appreciate that. Uh, Emma as well. Um, Ooh, a strategy question, Phil, what can you do? And, and you did a, a great double session actually on the summit, uh, last year, I believe, uh, what can you do when you start to poach on a poachable ball and then realize that you can't hit a winner?
2: Hmm. So, uh, great question. Thanks, Bill. Uh, So, I uh, would first of all say that obviously point can end in a winner. It can end in a forcing error or an unforced error by either person. So, I love forcing errors. Uh, I think it's the more um, especially amateur players can focus on increasing the number of forcing errors we, we touched on it a bit earlier. It hurts people's ego a little bit. <laughs> so imagine you're going over to poach and then you realise maybe the ball's slightly lower than the height of the net or you realise that um, somebody's in that position. Then imagine being able to stick the volley still into that, the, the, the smartest tactical spot so I always say into the biggest, fattest, juiciest, chunkiest piece of the court, right between the two players. Even if a player's there, imagine them getting a racket on it, but, but not being able to control it. That's better than a winner. And if you're if you're going over to poach, and the other example is the ball's lower than the height of the net, then then going back behind, like the short angle back behind, even if that person's able to run up and get a racket on it, but can't control it, greatest greatest um thing that can happen in the game. So it's totally cool not to hit, um, you know, 20 winners in a match. You, you, imagine having like even 15 forcing errors in a match. I mean, what, what an awesome statistic. And, uh, you know, I used to just have um, from a very young age, my mum my used to, you know, when she'd come and watch me play, she didn't really get tennis. So she'd just sit there and just do it. It was either a winner, an unforced error or a forcing error. And, uh, you know, on, on my matches and I, was, and I remember thinking from when I was really young, um, how how can I get that forcing error up um, back then? So you know, so that way you bring your margins in. You know, you, you're not you're not aiming for the line. You're not uh, you know even even down the line. I, I last last um, Fed Cup sort of junior camp that I ran, we, we eradicated the word down the line. We just called it the change ball. Because, you know, the minute you think down the line, you try to thread the needle down the line, mm. it becomes such a, a harder shot. We're just like, it's cross or it's change. It's cross or it's change. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, even that that, that simple language change uh, can then, you know, really build in more forcing errors. So, uh, but keep poaching, keep doing it. And remember, if you don't get sidelined once again, you're not doing your job.
0: That's right. That's right. Now, I really like that, uh, that language change there. Very, very smart. um <clears throat> Let's see, uh, Jane, well, Gene said, thank you, great, great ideas here, appreciate that, Gene. Um, <clears throat> James, uh, can you talk about a possible dichotomy, winning and having fun on the tennis court for recreational players? I guess, how do you do both? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, improvement, maybe, seeking improvement? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's definitely possible. Uh, I'm, I come probably a little bit more from the philosophy of, of even martial arts, so one of my biggest mentors, he was, the, uh, he was the Australian and then the Singapore uh, national kendo coach, which is that Japanese sword fighting with the big bamboo sticks. And, uh, you know, when I, I first met him when I was 18 and he, you know, he, I, I went to watch him compete in, in like a national championships. And at the end of the match, there was so much respect for the opponent. It was almost like he introduced me to the concept of um, thank you for making me a better player right? this this Like the better that you play, the better I play. Now, I, I certainly grew up as a junior thinking, you know, on a big point, please double fault, please double fault. I really, really want yeah. this point. And, and I, you know, I still sometimes do that if I'm watching a match. But if you're playing a match and you want to enjoy and you want to win, then the best thing that you can do is not focus on winning. This is 90% of the, again, the population of the, the players that I work with and focus on, come on, you know, big point, give me your best second serve because, you know, my return's going to get better. And, you know, sort of like saying like, bring on the battle, like put yourself under pressure in practice and just build that resilience muscle and get over yourself as quick as you can and get over your ego as quick as you can in tennis. And, and I mean, you need, you need an ego of course to be able to, to play well as well. So that, that that's the, the tipping point and the fine balance between the two. But if the more you can embrace the battle, the more you're going to enjoy it, the more you can, just let go of the win. I know you still want to win for sure, but park that the minute you get on the court. So have all your energy going, hey, you know what? Yep, I really want to win this weekend. Or, you know, I'm sure many people would have watched The Last Dance, Michael Jordan. I mean, you know, he's he's a freak, right? So he, he, can, he can go, yeah, it's all about winning and I'm going to win and let's step up on the court and win. Now, with my four profiles, the aggressive baseliner can think like that. They can think win, win, win and enjoy it and you know or, or not enjoy it if they don't win as well so but 90% of the people I work with it's all about embrace embrace that battle love that competition invite your opponent to play their best I you know I dare you I dare you to bring out your, your a game against me today and and then you know accept the challenge and then and, and then go about um, letting the result take care of itself one of the hardest things to do but guess what anchoring and affirmation helps you do that Helps you get in state to be able to play uh, play the point.
0: Love it. Appreciate that, Emma. Let's see, JP. Um, <clears throat> I'd say that fun and competition should be seeked in the pleasure of solving problems. That's definitely a great way to look at it. Yep, for sure. Uh, Linda, great work, Emma. Always love seeing you living your dream.
2: Oh, Linda Leclaire, she's awesome.
0: Well, I love that. It's such a nice comment. Uh, Andrew, what tip would you give for a player not to play down to the level of a weaker player? Mm. Great
2: question, great question. So, uh, you know, a lot of people say, I'm just going to play my game. I'm just going to go out there and just play my game. And uh, I was listening to um, a webinar recently with Andres coach and he was talking about um, that's all good and well to just go out and play your game. However, there is an opponent in tennis. You can't play tennis by yourself. Uh, So being able to accept... um, the biggest thing again i see is that people let's say they take a game style that they don't like like a pusher or a, you know or a. a, a kid. I, I prefer to, i'd never say pusher unless it was an opponent right so i would say it's a, a consistent baseliner or it's a counter puncher that's a, that's a great game style so being able to because they they're often the hardest to hardest to beat the people that just get every single ball back and I'm so much better than this player and so there's all these stories that we tell ourselves about I should beat this player he he or she they beat this person I always beat them so I I should beat this player and so therefore they're weaker so again weakness uh, everyone has a weakness usually every you know. Even at the highest level, there is a weakness, whether it be a mindset, physicality, technical, tactical, um, and so for me, the problem-solving element of being able to break down that weakness is the most exciting factor. So first of all, get rid of the comment. I'm you know all this story that you had before the match that I'm 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 this and I'm that and they're weaker than me and I should beat them and you know they they're at whatever number and I'm this number. So let go of that because they you know. 4.0 can have a day out and beat, um, you know, a 5.0 player. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So, that one, so one thing is accept the person and then if you want to continue to um, to not go down their level, you have to have a very structured game plan. Um, I think mm-hmm. on Tennis Files I, I gave the example of A, B, C. So, yes, you can have your your best game plan in game plan A and one thing on how to beat their their style of game plan now that's not working you've got to have two tactics under game plan b and then you've got to have your game plan c which is what are you going to do to stay out on the court as long as you possibly can one minute longer than your opponent so if you stay again like we said in the neocortex part of the brain brain the rational thinking the logical game plan and not get caught up in this person's weaker than me and all the story that we tell ourselves, that is really critical to how we can bring out the best in ourselves, accept our opponent for whoever they are, whatever they are, whatever their circumstances, and just get on with it Um, and play one point at a time because you know, plenty of times, weaker players have beaten better players. Happens time and time again. So have a structured game plan and fire off your anchor and your affirmation. That's the short version of the long (laughs) version that I just gave.
0: (laughs) Short version, awesome. Uh, let's see. All right, Samantha. Thanks. Very true. For sure. Um, oh yeah. And uh, you know, just like you were talking about, pretty much with the um, uh, pushers, <laughs> you don't want to call them that. But uh, dealing with those players who seem to be able to hit every ball back, like the Energizer Bunny. Um, you know, how do you how do you deal with that?
2: Yeah. So uh, it, it accepts that that's who they are. That's yeah. and you, you. Number one, you have to be prepared to have a real like a day out like a resilience day out like this is going to push you, you you've you almost got to leave your can I say shit at the door so yeah. you know even let's say you've that morning you've you know um, maybe potentially if, if this is I don't know if Samantha has kids she may or may not but let's say you've dropped the kids at school and you've or you've done all the homeschooling and you've cooked this and you've done that and you've um uh or it doesn't matter if it's male or female so there you go. Wh- whoever it is may have done all those things as well, by the way. I'm into gender equality of course.
1: Sure. And
2: so what I'm saying is often you you're already exhausted mentally when you get to the court. And then you, and then you think I've got to play that person. Oh my God. I've got to play, you know, they I know who I've got to play. They get every single ball back. This is gonna be like a three hour day. So all those, again, those stories you tell yourself, you need to flip them and reframe them straight away into saying, hey, you know what, I'm ready for a really long day. I'm ready. Before I get my short ball opportunity, I may have to hit 10 balls back cross court as well. Uh, I may need to take my chances, you know, and, and take the ball on the rise. Um, just remember the Energizer Bunny loves to live on the baseline. They, they That's their little home. They're so comfortable there. So depending on your game style, um, look at change of spin, Look at shape of shot. How do you remove them out of their comfort zone? Take them, take their 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 best strategy away from them. If if you can do that, if you like to drop shot, if you like um, moving them forward or that that higher heavier ball, take them back. If you like to take the ball out of the air, of course, it's a higher risk, uh, but it's certainly an effective strategy so that they're not being able to get in their groove and just be able to. Um, you know, to, to dictate the whole time. But if they do dictate a couple of points, like anything, just accept it. Just let it go. That that's part of your day. And you're ready. No matter what, you know, the kitchen sinks thrown at you, you, you're ready because you you leave your stuff at the door. You can pick it up on your way back out if you want, but you know, use your anchoring to be able to say, right, my morning was whatever my morning was. And I'm now just going to let that go.
0: Love it. Appreciate that, Emma. Uh, JP, I'm French. What does poaching mean? Uh, just moving to the other side of the court, uh, (laughs) pretty much. That's what that means, especially, yeah, especially when you think about it in in doubles terms. Um, so Emma, um, I mean, brilliant stuff today. Is wondering where um, people can check out your your content, uh, you know, yeah, pretty much your social profiles, anywhere we can connect with you.
2: Yeah, uh, so if anyone, um, is interested, especially probably Master Your Mindset um, might be a good one. So just go to www.acecoach.com.au, .au uh, .au for Australia. So uh, that's the website there and you'll see one of the courses, Master Your Mindset. It's got a number of visualizations, between-point routines, all that kind of, you know, a lot of what we spoke about today Anchoring affirmation ideas. Um, so please check that out. And just yeah, if anyone uh, was interested in, in taking a deeper dive and personalizing visualizations, just shoot me an email. Info at emma is my email. Um, info at Emma Doyle, E-W M A D O Y L E dot com and then dot AU for good old Australia on the end there
0: so yeah yeah, I had had Mark on uh, the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago as well and you know another great great guy from Australia you guys grew up with him a lot of good experts down there
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah he's a he's a great guy and you know yeah no Australia certainly has produced a number of pretty good coaches over the years and you know I'm just fortunate to continue to learn and grow and you know I certainly haven't I didn't play necessarily at the highest level, uh, but certainly have, have coached at that. You know, some of the the top accolades of my sport, and just really humble and appreciate every opportunity I can to to unleash uh, tennis potential in in um in humans. So um, so thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it, and and thanks for everyone's insights and comments and questions. Some some tricky ones there, some curveballs. I love love a curveball question, and I always get yeah. that from you. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, my, 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 uh, audience, they, they get it from me. I think I try to ask some interesting ones and actually, you know, before I I let you go, if you don't mind, just the one classic question from me, Emma, and by the way, everybody, please check out, um, you know, acecoach.com.au. And also, um, if you'd like to email Emma, you've got uh, info at uh, au. and we'll have those, all the links on the show notes page as well. Um, but Emma, uh, before I let you go, what is um, one key tip that you can give our audience to help them improve their tennis games? If you could pick one
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: out of the millions you have.
2: <laughs> oh well, you know what? To be honest, it's reinforcing the importance of anchoring and affirmations. Yeah, like just get in state. Just you know, again, the, in tennis, the reason why we, we things go wrong is we're too we're always thinking too much in the past or or too much in the future you know, 4-1, we've already won the, the set 6-1, and, and the next thing you know, it's 4 all So being able to play in the moment, just accept, like, the more, you know, you can practice acceptance and embrace, you know, don't try and block pressure. Don't try and say, I'm not nervous. Just, just em- embrace feelings, embrace how much someone annoys you, you know, have a look at maybe what what's a lesson in that for you about why they annoy you. So accept, embrace, and then fire off the, that anger and affirmation so that you can play in state. The more you can just be in the moment, you'll you'll enjoy it more and you'll win more. That's that's the most ironical part. Uh, so, you know, and, and that, that I'm telling you right now is, is my top piece of advice from a beginner right through to the, the highest level of player I'm working with at the moment. So just it, it affects all of us. Pressure affects all of us in every aspect of our life and i just think the more that we can uh you know really stay in the moment and by by having practical strategies so self-awareness practical strategies equals usually a winning game plan so that that would be that would be it
0: awesome awesome well emma uh thanks for your time i really do appreciate it and uh like i said you know you just put out Great quality content uh, all the time and your passion for the game is very evident and I was cycling through all the great comments that we got about the episode and uh, yeah, I just want to thank you and acknowledge uh, the great work that you're doing for the sport and and continue to do for the sport. And also thank you to everybody who uh, tuned in today, um, whether you're uh, listening uh, through the audio podcast or live right here. Um, or on YouTube uh, afterwards. So um, Emma, thanks so much for coming on and really appreciate it. And everybody uh, should go check out your stuff. So th- thank you, Emma. Appreciate
2: thank you. Thank you. And please, everyone take action. Just hopefully one thing resonated. We, we spoke across m- multiple sort of levels and lots of practical strategies, but just, just take one and add it into your playing toolkit or your coaching toolkit, your parenting toolkit and uh, please take action on it. So the ball's I always say the ball is always in your court. So and thank you, Mahabun, for everything that you do in our industry as well. Um, pushing the game forward, especially during this time where we all need to be hearing positive messages of of inspiration and how we can all get back to our new normal and and uh, get back out on court. So um so thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Emma. All the best to you and all the best to everyone, and stay safe and be healthy. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Coach Emma Doyle. Emma, uh, it was always a pleasure, as I mentioned to you after we recorded. Uh, It was really great talking to you, and thank you for spending a significant amount of your day to share your knowledge with with us on uh, how we can uh, unleash our true tennis potential. It's really a lot of fun, and um, yeah, I appreciate you all listening. And I also would really appreciate it if you all would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that uh, on Apple Podcasts primarily, or really on uh, any other podcast app that you use to listen to the show. And it would really um, be helpful in bringing more visibility to the show by, um, you know, just pushing it a bit higher up the rankings and so forth, which helps spread it to everybody. So. Would really appreciate that, and of course, I, I welcome all constructive criticism. And you know, the goal is to really just keep improving upon the quality and depth of the content, so that I can help you, um, and also even help me when I re-listen to these episodes, as I've been trying to do. It's it's funny, you know, I've done hundreds of interviews, and uh, it's <laughs> I haven't really had uh, you, you know the time that I'd like to actually. Uh, Review them as much as I would want to just because of obviously my constant, um, you know, efforts to make new content and also, you know, full time job and all that other obligations, trying to play tennis when I can. Uh, Speaking of which, I hope that you all are staying safe and following uh, safety protocols. In particular, the ITF and USDA have some really great suggestions, um, strong suggestions on how to best conduct yourself and be considerate of others. I know we all have varying degrees of uh, what we think is <laughs> the correct way to go about um, the current pandemic, but uh, you know, I like to stay on the safe side. Um, so definitely check those out. And of course I will be uh, leaving or already have the the links, all the links that we mentioned today on the show notes page. Shout out to Emma for sending them to me so that I don't have to hunt them all down <laughs> always, always helpful um, for me and my team. Also, would love to leave you with a quote as I often like to do at the end of the show. And this one is by Dan Millman. And Dan said, the secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. I really love that. Uh, It's really, really resonates, you know, with me. And I'm sure many of you uh, We're we're not what we are um, from the past. You know, we can always just um, put that to the side. Obviously, you can learn from it, but you you know, for example, if you uh, have traditionally been, uh, let's say, lazy and made bad choices, you know, you you don't have to just connect that to your, to yourself forever. You you can just focus on, uh, you know, today is a new day. I'm going to become a new person, and with very focused and consistent effort, um, gradually, as Emma has uh, said on the podcast, you can change yourself and um, become a new person, and build new habits and succeed. So uh, it's not easy, but it bears many great fruits. Uh, also, just uh, you know, uh, non-related aside, I actually um, got a new audio interface, and so I'm actually recording this episode. Via um, you know higher quality um, you know sound interface so uh, an XLR also connection so just curious if you hear a difference in the quality of sound I know we're not uh, audio (laughs) experts or engineers but if you do recognize a difference just let me know Um, probably. Is more likely if you're listening via headphones rather than just a speaker. But I'd be curious. So either way, um, email me at merban at tennisfiles.com. That's M-E-H-R-B-A-N at tennisfiles.com. Really enjoyed this episode. Can't wait to go back and listen to it and, and many of the others. And I encourage you all to, to just have a pen and paper or Google Docs open and take some notes and uh, highlight the points that you feel would really help your game and then um, block out some time on your calendar to work on it. So once again, best wishes to you all. Please stay safe. And, uh, I am definitely excited to bring you, to bring you new content, whether that's on the podcast, on the blog, on the YouTube channel. Um, you know, I've got a new, uh, membership site coming. Uh, well, actually it's already live, but, uh, details on that coming probably going to reopen the summit at some point soon. So yeah, I will keep you updated on all these things. And if you want to stay updated, the best way to do that is to go to tennisfiles.com and you will see uh, where you can actually grab a free ebook, The Building Blocks of Tennis Success. And when you do that, as a thanks for joining uh, my my email list, uh, you get that free book. but then you also will get communications from me, which include the latest updates of You know, when certain things are launching, you know, whether that's content or other products or videos. So, um, and you know, like 99% of that is all free. So, yeah, looking forward to communicate with you through that medium of email as well if you're interested. So, in any case, please be well. Please be safe. Uh, Please uh, talk to your loved ones and uh, tell them how much you love them. And uh, if you can, play some tennis safely. All right, y'all. I'll see you soon, and I will talk to you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is Mirban Aranshad
1: signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.